guys. Welcome to What's the Word. Today we're talking about how to avoid sin, how to recognize the triggers and the traps of sin and stop sinning. And uh, why would we want to do that? Because the Bible tells us the wages of sin is death. And uh, when we move into uh, the places of sin, we are going to end up with lack in our lives. And the Bible also tells us this, that sin is pleasurable for a season. In other words, our flesh man likes it. And uh, our flesh enjoys that. It's pleasurable. But there's always a payment to be paid. There's always an after effect. And uh, so like, share, subscribe uh, to the video, to the channel right now. And uh, we love you. Share it with somebody. Get the link. Send it to somebody who, uh, well, just send it to somebody who you think needs it. And when they get it and get to this part, they'll say, oh, they thought I needed to get free of sin. Those self-righteous, <laughs> those them. That self-righteous holy friend. <laughs> anyway, but listen, the truth is, as we grow in the things of God, we step out of those places of lack, out of those places of death, and we move into the abundance and the blessings of God. And that's why we want to avoid sin. One of the reasons, another reason is, hey, Lord, we love you. Thank you for loving on us. Thank you for providing a way for us to move forward in life, to be blessed in life. And because you loved us, we want to love you. We do things because we love you. An unconditional love that you gave us. Listen, not when we had it all together, but he gave us that love when we had it all messed up. That's when he gave it to us. And praise God he did it. Otherwise, we would be in a jam. And so one of the things I want to give to you is this. If you did not see yesterday, I gave you nine tools for breaking the pattern of sin. Nine tools to stop sinning. If you didn't see that, make sure that you check out the link and uh, go and watch that. It is a great way and great tools to get out of sinning. And uh, today we're going to talk about the triggers of sin and the traps of sin and how we fall into them. And many times what happens is we don't recognize we're on the path to that trap, and then all of a sudden we're in the midst of it. We're surrounded by emotions, we're surrounded by passion, we're surrounded by peer pressure, and we spring the trap, and it crushes us uh, in our life. And we don't want that for you anymore. We don't want that for ourselves or for you, and that's why we're talking about it. Think about it like this. Think about like with the mouse trap. Think about uh, the smell of that cheese or the smell of the food. And the mouse doesn't know that there's a trap at the end of the road. All he, all he sees is, hey, I'd like this. And so think about that. The trap sitting out there, there's a pit, there's a trap set. And the, but the smell of cheese wanders through back to his home. And uh, hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the smell of that cheese wanders through back to his home. Hey, let there be light. Amen. And uh, the smell of that cheese, the smell of that trigger and trap is back there. But he doesn't know that there's danger yet, right? So one of the things that happened to me is if you'll see this trap and you start to see what the enticing factor is, What's the trigger? For the mouse, it was the smell of a meal. Now watch this, the smell of a, one meal, but it ends his life. In other words, there's a payment to be paid. There's a temporary pleasure, but it has a devastating effect. 
That's the way sin is. And when we learn to avoid it, then we'll avoid the devastating effects of sin. The wages of sin is death. It's death in our finances, death in our peace, death in our joy, death, it can be death in our life itself. And so we don't want to be there. But in order to avoid sin, the best thing is never get near the trap. Never get near the trap. So you've got to recognize the trigger. The trigger for the mouse would have been the smell of a meal, the smell of something enticing, the smell of something. So if we'll learn to recognize those triggers, then we'll avoid the trap altogether. Why have to deal with a trap when all I have to do is recognize the trigger of it, right? In other words, the mouse would never even see the trap. He'd never be in any danger. He would never be exposed at all if he simply would stay in his home and avoid the sin trigger. All right, so one of the things I did is I reached out to a number of groups and I said, what are some triggers in your life? It was interesting how they all were weaving together. And let me tell you a story about what happened to me as to why this is so important. So uh, one time, and I've told this story was, you know, to multiple people, so some of you know it, some of you might not. But basically what happened to me is when I was very young, I felt the call of the Lord on my life to minister around age nine. And I knew I was probably supposed to pastor. Now, if I'm supposed to minister, there's different kinds of ministries. Uh, and it doesn't mean that you're one of what's called the fivefold ministry, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And, uh, but I knew even at a young age, I was probably supposed to pastor. And uh, I could be one of the fivefold, or I could be just, you know, somebody who's a pillar in the church, who's a strength and a support. But I knew that I was probably supposed to pastor. Now, I come into being an adult, and the Lord speaks to me directly and says, preach my word, son, which was a great moment in my life. I was in tears and happy uh, for that. But here's one of the things that happened. He tells me to preach my word. I go down the road, but I find myself with one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of God. And it's like I wanted the kingdom of God, but I also didn't want to leave some of the pleasures of sin. And I found myself going through this cycle, going after God, going after the world, going after God, going after the world, going after God, going after the world. And unfortunately, this lasted for several years. And I'm telling you, it just felt like torture. I felt horrible. I felt I felt just terrible about it. And I, just, I could really understand what Paul said in Romans 7, a wretched man that I am. And so at one point I was just at a low and I said, God, I've got to have your help. I need your help. Please help me. And one of the things that he gave me was he showed me a sin trigger in my life. He, and, and this woke me up to some things, but he said, a trigger for you is secular music. And if you watch it, what would happen is I'd be over here you know, with the Lord. All of a sudden, I would listen to secular music, and that would make me remember the next step in that process was I would remember things I used to do with the old man, with the worldly man, with the fleshly man. And then I would remember it. I would meditate on it, and then I'd start to grow a desire to do those things again. 
The next step would be generally I'd call one of my old friends that were walking in the world and we'd talk about old times and how much fun and how stupid we were. And before I know it, I'd be hanging out with them all night, partying, drinking alcohol, smoking cigarettes, playing cards, doing whatever, and I'd be walking in sin. Then I would beat myself up. I'd recognize I'd get in condemnation. The devil would pour out condemnation. I'd be like just feeling miserable and terrible. I'd ditch all that stuff and then go back and grow in the Lord again. And then all of a sudden I would have a trigger of that music. That was one of my major ones personally. It's not the same for everybody, but it would be a trigger for me. And when, and then all of a sudden I'd repeat the cycle. And so I was repeating the cycle and repeating the cycle and repeating the cycle. And uh, when the Lord showed me that trigger, I said, okay, Lord, I've learned something about, uh, I'm going to show this to you in 2 Timothy in just a second. I learned something about this trigger. If I'll ditch the trigger, I won't even get on the path to the trap. If I'll just learn to ditch the trigger, well, I don't want to give up secular music. Well, I don't want to sin either. Which is better, me giving up secular music or me falling for the trap where the wages of it is death in my life? Uh, give, me, give me giving up the trigger all day over falling into the trap. And so I learned to recognize that trigger. Well, this woke me up to something. This woke me up to something. If I can recognize the triggers, I'll never even come close to the trap. And so what I want to do today is give you basically a list of triggers. And you'll find that this fans out. You have, you know, there's a whole list of triggers, but along the way, one trigger leads to another step, leads to another step, leads, and then that those steps can splinter off into different things. But at the end, it's always a trap of sin. So what I want to do is I want to list some of these major triggers and it may be the first step of the trigger, or it may be in the middle of it, but if you recognize that is a trigger for me, then all of a sudden, what I want you to do is make sure that you deal with that. And so it doesn't matter where the trigger is, Towards in the path towards the trap, let's identify the trigger. And if you will see that trigger, you'll know what you need to put down. Now let's read this. This is uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, and let's go to verse 20. We're going to read 20 through 22. Now in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, or fine metals, valuable, worth something, but also vessels of wood and earthenware. Some are to honor and some are to dishonor. In other words, in every house, in every person, in every body, in, in the world, you have some people that will put on godliness and some people that will put on worldliness. Okay, so he's showing you this is you're going to find people at all along the range from being super holy to being super worldly. Okay, verse 21, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, from the earth, earthly ways, from the worldly ways, from fleshly sin ways and sin triggers, he will be a vessel of honor. Now here, that's a promise of God. If I'll deal with those sin triggers and get rid of those, chap, those traps, then I will be a vessel of honor, okay, sanctified and useful to the master. 
I will be useful. You will be useful to God if I will deal with the sin triggers and the sin traps. If I'll deal with them, I'll be an honorable vessel and I'll be useful for the kingdom of God. How many of you, put it in the comments right now, throw a hand up. I want to be honorable in God's sight, and I want to be useful to the Lord. I want to be useful in the kingdom. If that's the case, then there's some things we need to do. It's getting ready to say, put a hand up right now. I want to be honorable. I want to be useful. I want to be those things for my Lord. Verse 22, all right, now he's going to tell us what to do. Now flee from youthful lust. And pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. In other words, flee the youthful lust. So when you recognize a sin trigger, don't find a way to keep doing it. I'll keep doing this trigger, but I just won't sin. He says, look, if you identify a sin trigger or a sin trap, flee it. Run from it. Sprint from it. Don't hang around. Don't wait around. Go after God. Not, don't find a reason to hang out with that trigger. When I got this, everything changed in my life. I'm not looking for reasons to keep doing something that I used to do. I'm looking for reasons to be honorable and useful. Now put that in the comments. I'm looking for ways and reasons to be honorable and useful to God. I'm looking for ways. I'm finding ways to be honorable and useful to God, right? I'm finding ways to be honorable and useful to God. I'm looking for reasons to do that. I'm not looking for reasons to keep sin in my life or to keep fleshly things. I'm looking for ways to be honorable and useful. Flee youthful lust. Now, youthful lust speaks of this. Immature people keep the sin triggers. Mature people flee them. See, a youthful lust is not just talking about like adulterous affairs. It's saying an immature person lusts after the things of the world. An immature person lusts after the things of the world. So an immature person will keep the triggers and what happens is, is fight it as hard as they want to, but they keep the trigger, they're eventually going to end up in the trap. If you keep the trigger, if you decide to keep the trigger, you're eventually going to end up in the trap. Why? Because you're doing it outside of God's ways, and you're not empowered to avoid it without God's ways. If you keep the sin triggers, you will end up in the sin trap. He says, now flee from youthful lust and pursue righteousness. Pursue it. Go after righteousness. Go after doing things the right way. Go after faith. Go after love. Go after peace. And and watch this. With those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So go after God in the presence and the company of people that are going after him. In other words, if you keep hanging out in the presence and the company of people that are enjoying the sin triggers and sin trap, you're not going to be in the right place. He says, flee that place, go away from that, and hang out with people who are doing the same. Hang out with people who are also fleeing youthful lust. Hang out with people who are also pursuing righteousness. Pursuing faith, love, and peace. Hang out, hang out with those people. Another scripture, and I'd like for him to find this, please. Another scripture says this. Don't be entangled. Don't be entangled with the world. 
Don't be entangled with the world. You know, set aside, one, one verse says, when we're running the race, this is Hebrews 12, and it may be where the entanglement scripture is as well. Let me read it to you real quick. So, Hebrews chapter 11 is, remember it says, follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. That's Hebrews 6, 12. Oh, was that... Okay, uh, Hebrews 6, 12 is follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. Then you move on down to Hebrews chapter 11. You have a whole list, a whole chapter of faithful people. Remember what we just read? Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who are going after that as well. In other words, enjoy the company of other people who are going after the same righteousness, faith, love, right? Well, Hebrews chapter 11 gives us a list of how those people were in faith, how they employed love in their lives towards God, how they saw these great things and avoided the sin traps. And then in verse 12 it says, or chapter 12 it says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance, everything that would hinder us, everything that would be a hurdle to our lives. Let us lay aside every weight that would weigh us down. See, the sin trap, you might not have fallen into sin yet, but if you don't deal with the sin trigger, that's a weight. That's an encumbrance. That's an entanglement with the world that will eventually slow you down. At the least, even if you never make it to the sin trap this time, at the very least, it slows us down in running our race. Let a, and we have a commandment. Let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes not on the sin, not on the sin trigger, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despised the shame, sat down at the right uh, hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. See, if we don't set our eyes on him and set our eyes on the right thing, we can grow weary, we can lose heart. But look at what Jesus did. Listen, he didn't, you have many people in this age that they feel like they are in straight up um, persecution because God may ask them not to watch a certain TV show. Jesus went to the cross and died, and we're having a hard time giving up the TV show. Jesus left heaven and left the throne, and he kept his eyes on the prize, kept his eyes on the glory, on the joy of the Lord. And he left heaven, gave up godliness, became like a, a man went to the cross, took a beating, took a whipping, took the stripes for our healing, bore all sin, died, and, and went into the grave. And we can't give up the cookie. We can't give up the TV show. We can't give up the song. And see, when I started weighing these things out, it was easy for me to give up that stuff, knowing that the end of it is sin, knowing that the end of sin is a lack in my own life and a lack in the lives of others. How am I having such a hard time giving up this simple thing when Jesus did that for me? 
If he did that and he poured out love on that level, he deserves to reap a harvest of that love. And for me to tell my flesh, no. Right? Now, let's go back to 2 Timothy verse uh, chapter 2 and verse 4. Same chapter we were in before. But he found the scripture here. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 4. No soldier, and we, we are soldiers in the army of the Lord is what it talks about here. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. No soldier entangles himself with the sin triggers and the sin traps. A good soldier says, I'm not going to entangle myself in the things of the world. I'm not going to entangle myself in the, in the web of sin. From the trap, you know, the actual sinning itself and the trap of it or the trigger of it. I'm not going to entangle myself there. No, no. I'm going to make sure that I completely get away from it. I avoid it and I put down those things so that I can run the race with eyes set on the prize of the eternal awards, of the eternal joy that I have for Christ. Amen. So now let me show you this. Here's the path of sin. Here's the path of sin. Somebody can put this in. The path of sin, amen, a buddy put up this uh, verse, Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way which seems right to a person, but its end is the way of death. That's the way sin is. And watch this. This is exactly what I'm going to describe. A sin path is you have a sin trigger. You start on the path toward sin. There can be multiple steps in that path. But eventually it ends at the sin trap, at sin itself. Once the sin comes, the devil pours on condemnation. That's a judgment, a weight. Uh, oh, I feel so awful. I feel so bad. In that condemnation, the next part is a disconnection from God. We disconnect from our source, from, from our life. And that disconnection leads us to a lukewarmness. And that lukewarmness leads us to a backsliding and all of this adds up to that we end up, what the devil's after is for us to lose our life and be lost and or be unfruitful. All of that ends up. So the path is the sin trigger. We get on the path of sin. The sin leads us to condemnation, leads us to disconnection, leads us to lukewarmness, and leads us to backsliding. And all of that is designed for us to either be lost eternally or for us to be unfruitful. The devil wants to keep us lost and unfruitful at all costs. And so what he'll do is he'll set up a trap and a path with sin triggers. But if we'll recognize these sin triggers, then we can stop even getting on the path. Glory to God. And so I want to go through some of these paths and some of these sin triggers. And if you notice one, you know, like music, that might not affect you at all. But for me, it affected me. These, you find one that affects you. 
see one, when you see it, okay, Lord, I'm going to deal with that. If you can give up godliness and step down from the throne of God in heaven, and you can come be on the earth like a man, take a beaten, go to the cross and die for me and go to the grave, then surely I can give up this sin trigger. Amen. God will empower you to do that. So one of the things, this is something uh, I thought was great. I've never heard this before, but I heard multiple people mention this, is the acronym HALT, H-A-L-T. And uh, apparently this is used in many places where they are dealing with addiction. And they show that when you start feeling this way uh, in, the pro in these feelings of HALT, H-A-L-T, which stands for hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. These are triggers that will trigger somebody uh, to move towards a place of sin or to partake of something that they're addicted to. And In other words, one of the ways that I've said this before, not with these descriptions, is always be aware and pay close attention when you have heavy emotions. When you have overwhelming emotions, generally there's a spirit involved. Generally, it can be. I can have an over, Jesus had an overwhelming compassion. That was a move of the, of the Spirit of God on him. But you can also be angry, and nothing that person says will get you, snap you out of that anger. A lot of times, that's a demonic spirit that's actually coming again and pressing you under that heavy emotion, trying to get you to jump into a sin trap. Always watch heavy emotion, and I think this halt actually represents that. When I am so hungry, remember um, Esau. Esau was so hungry, physically hungry, he had an appetite. Now, I'm not just going to say uh, 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 stomach appetite hungry, but you can be hungry for a relationship. I've got to find a partner. I've got to find the perfect spouse. I've got to find the best girlfriend or boyfriend. I've got to find that. You can be hungry for something like that, so much so that it drives you into that, that path. So uh, remember, Esau was so hungry, he sold his whole future birthright for one bowl of oatmeal, <laughs> one bowl of porridge. I bet it didn't have milk. One bowl of oatmeal. <laughs> One bowl of, of porridge, and, and all of a sudden, you know, he sells his whole birthright for it because he was hungry. Stupid decision because of that pressure that was on them because of hunger, right? Uh, how about angry? What, when we're angry, don't ever make decisions when you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. It's like hungry. You know, don't go to the grocery store when you're hungry. Like eat a meal, then go to the grocery store. <laughs> when you're when you're hungry, Nicole never takes me to the grocery store, <laughs> buddy. He was stupid. S T E W. He's so pleased with himself right now. <laughs> you should see the smile on Buddy's face right at this moment. It's true. He was stupid. He moved in hunger, right? He moved in hunger, right? Um, he was so hungry 
that he made bad decisions. Same way, you know, like I said, if we go to the grocery store and we're hungry. Don't do that. Here's the, <laughs> Kevin, <laughs> Kevin Nowicki, Nowicki, apparently I don't need to make decisions ever. <laughs> well, the key is learn how to get out of those four places. But uh, angry, <laughs> that's really funny. But how many people have felt like that? Like, I probably don't ever need to make decisions. And you know what? Here's the thing. Many people don't need to make decisions alone until they have grown up from the youthful lust. That's why God gives us pastors. That's why he gives us people that have oversight in our lives. And that's why, but look, the pastor is not to go and force decisions on you. But that is the reason why you can come to a shepherd and say, hey, help me make sure I'm making the right decision. Because this may sound small, but it's not small in my life. It's, a, it's an important decision right here. And so that's why the Lord gives us people in our lives like that. When we're angry, you know, we can get to the place where we never make a right decision when we're angry. When we're lonely, that's a horrible time to make decisions or when we're tired. That's one of the worst. That's, that definitely has been a trigger for me. When I've been tired, I've made bad decisions. What I've got now is if I'm tired, I don't make a decision right then. I go to bed and I'll make a decision tomorrow, but I'm not making one. I'm not making one while I'm tired. <clears throat> I'm going to get good rest before I make that decision. If I'm feeling super emotional, I never make uh, life-changing decisions. I don't go buy a car. I don't decide, you know, who to marry when I'm super emotional. You know, I don't want emotion driving me. Remember in Romans 8, it's not emotion that leads our life or that is designed to lead our life, but the Spirit of the Lord. And we're not to make emotional decisions. We're to make spirit-led decisions. Like even when Jesus felt compassion on him, who was leading the compassion? the Holy Ghost was. Not Jesus' own emotions. His emotions weren't the source of it. That wasn't it. It was the Holy Spirit was the source of that. Amen. All right. So let's look at some of these. Let's look at some of the... Um, Let's look at some of these triggers now and go through their path. So, for example, let me give you a trigger of this. Here's a major grouping of triggers, a lack of discipline or a lack of daily disciplines. A lack of discipline or a lack of daily discipline. Now, under that uh, lack of disciplines, I'm going to give you several things. But the first one is this. If you don't have daily disciplines... For example, if you don't have discipline in your life, you won't have a daily intimate fellowship with God. Yeah. Right? So if you're not in the intimacy with God, that's where life uh, flows from. You know, in Him we live and move and have our being. So if I'm not having constant intimate fellowship with God, then I'm not going to have life flowing from that intimate fellowship with Him. And it's going to set up triggers. So let me just go down a path. Now, let me go down one quickly, and I'll show you how that works. If I don't employ discipline in my life, that's a sin trigger, and then I won't have intimate fellowship. If I don't have fellowship, I don't read my Bible. If I don't read my Bible, then I have a lack of knowledge. 
If I, don't, if I have a lack of knowledge, then I don't know my identity in Christ. And if I, don't have, if I don't know my identity in Christ, then I have insecurity. And insecurity is a trap. That's where things will start to fall off because somebody will say something to me in love and I'm insecure. And all of a sudden, I will take it the wrong way and blow up on that person. And now I've sinned against that person who was trying to love on me, but I thought they were judging me. I thought they were telling me the wrong thing. So you can see how the trigger was a lack of daily discipline. But then they didn't, because of lack of discipline, they didn't fellowship. They didn't read their Bible. They didn't know who they were in Christ. They had the wrong identity. Then that led to insecurity. And insecurity led to them blowing up on somebody who was trying to be a friend. Okay, and now they're in sin. So these are things, and of course, not reading the Bible can lead to a lot of other things, but a lack of knowledge in not reading the Bible. It can also uh, come, come about. So all of these along the line, all of those things, a lack of daily discipline, a lack of intimate fellowship, any of these can be triggers. The end is sin, but all of these can be triggers. It's a slippery slope leading down into the sin, sin trap. So you don't have to just say, well, no, I have daily discipline. If you get down here and you say, oh, I, I don't know my identity in Christ, then that's a trigger itself leading to that sin. It's just down, on down the line, but it's still a trigger. And so any, any of these, I don't have daily disciplines. I don't have an intimate fellowship. I'm not reading my Bible daily. I have a lack of knowledge of the Word of God. I have a wrong identity. Or I have insecurity. All of those are triggers. Uh, let me give you another thing. Under a lack of knowledge can be wrong thinking or wrong thoughts. If I'm not taking my thoughts captive, like the Word says, if Philippians 4 and verse 8 basically boils it down and says, if there's anything worthy of praise, think on these things. If I'm not thinking on things that are worthy of praise, then I'm having wrong thoughts. And if I'm having wrong thoughts, then I'm going to be discouraged. I'm going to complain. These are other triggers that will lead, lead to sin. If I'm constantly complaining, I can then uh, spread division, right? If I'm constantly discouraged, then I'm going to be seeing everything through shaded glasses instead of rosy glasses. I'll see everything through shaded glasses, and I'll view everything in a negative context. And that means I'm not walking in hope. That means that when I try to employ faith, there's going to be nothing to manifest. In other words, I'm never going to see the fullness of the promises of God because I'm discouraged because I'm thinking the wrong things, because I don't know the Word, because I'm not reading my Bible daily, because I'm not in intimate fellowship with God, because I have don't have a because <clears throat> I don't have daily disciplines. So you can see how these things cascade down to the trap of sin. There's so many, and and gosh, I could probably make a list, you know, a hundred or two hundred words long for all of these things. But And they'll intertwine. So you can take that lack of identity and you can combine it 
with social media, right, or, or let's say a soap opera. And, I, and you can see on a soap opera or on social media, well, this person's having this beautiful life. I don't have that. And because you don't know your identity, now the two of those triggers combine and strengthen the slide down into sin. Okay, And so it's one of those things where you want to identify anything that has been a part of your life and start knocking these things out. Flee from that youthful lust. Flee from that youth, youthful thinking, that immature thinking, and let's put on the things of God. Amen. Another thing under, under fellowship, if I'm not having fellowship with God, I'm not praying to, to the Lord. If I'm not praying to the Lord... I don't have answers in my life. I'm always wondering what to do. I'm looking for solutions everywhere but God. So if I'm not, if I don't have daily discipline, I won't have intimate fellowship. If I don't have intimate fellowship, then I'm not going to be praying. If I don't pray, then I don't have answers. If I don't have answers, I'm going to look for them in the wrong places. <laughs> and now I'm getting worldly wisdom instead of godly wisdom. And the worldly wisdom is always at best going to be a band-aid, but it'll never be a true solution. It'll never set me free because worldly wisdom is not based in the truth. The only things that work in the world at all is based in the truth of God's Word. And so if I don't have prayer and in my intimate fellowship, I won't have answers. If I don't have prayer, then I'm going to have no direction or no vision, right? I'm not going to know what to do. And so remember it says when we're in fellowship with Him, in Him we live and move and have our being. Right? We move. We know where to go. We know how to get there. We're provided for to get there. How? In Him, in prayer, in spending time with Him. If we don't have any vision, it says the people that don't have any vision in Proverbs are unrestrained or they run wild. They have no focus. In other words, imagine, imagine taking a group of 20 people and they all have a rope tied around their waist and then all of a sudden, all of them run in their own vi vision. We say, three, two, one, go! And they all go in their, own, in their own direction, right? How, what's going to happen? They're going to like move. They're, it's going to be wild. It's going to be unrestrained. It's going to be chaos. But now imagine that we took all 20 of those people and we said, we are going in one vision. We're going this way. We're going up. And all 20, they said, three, two, one, go. All of a sudden, they go together, and man, they go with a force. They have a momentum, and they accomplish great and mighty things. But see, if we're not spending time, not only personally, but together as a body of Christ. See, a lot of churches don't have unified vision because the people won't come together and pray. Right? They won't come together and pray, so they don't hear from God together in that way. And they're not unified around the vision of the, of the pastor. And so they're all trying to go different directions, and it's just chaos. It's there, it's alive, but it's not accomplishing much. But yet, if they pray, they'll hear direction and vision, and they'll all go together. I'm reminded of prayer. I think it was in December. We had a prayer night here, 
And uh, the Lord said to me early in the week, this prayer night is going to be very, very important for where Boomerang is going. And in that night, the Lord gave me while I was there, I didn't know what he had in mind exactly. I just knew it was important. And some people showed up, some people didn't. But in that night, the Lord gave me a word and that word was a word of preparation to get us ready for this year of increase. And we had to pay attention to that word. And, he, and so he gave us exactly what we needed. Some heard it, some didn't. Some will be prepared, some won't. But for those who were there and heard it, they'll be prepared to go and do that thing. And they will have a spiritual momentum. So, again, a trigger is no prayer, no answers, no prayer, no direction or vision. No direction or vision, you'll be unfocused, unrestrained. It won't be what it needs to be. And so you can see how these triggers go down the line. Another trigger, I'm going to get into some of the more worldly ones in just a second. But the intimacy is where we need to always start from. Intimacy with God. Making sure that that is sound and secure. All right. The next one, if you're not having any intimate fellowship, you won't have any Bible reading, you won't have any prayer, you won't have any worship. There'll be no praise to the Lord. There's no praise. There's no worship there. We should have things to praise about. You know, as a pastor, I should be able to look at the con congregation and say, let's just praise right now. Yeah. Most pastors, when they go to their congregation and say that, they go, and they're like waiting for somebody to tell them what to do. Praise ought to erupt out of us. If they don't have any worship, if they don't have any praise in them, it says God inhabits the present, the present or the praises of the people. God inhabits the praises. In other words, when I get into worship and I get into praise, God is there. God's there. If God's there, how many problems do I have? If God's there, am I lacking any strength? No. And so without having worship, without having a praise in you and seeing that, you're not going to be honoring God and you're not going to have his presence. And that's going to uh, you know, add to the slippery slope going down because I'm missing the strength that I need. I'm missing his presence that will help burn up those other sin triggers in my life. All right. Here's another one. If you don't have intimate fellowship, you're also not esteeming the assembly of the saints. If you don't esteem the assembly of the saints, you're not going to have accountability of your peers and accountability of spiritual leaders. That accountability strengthens you. We talked about on Sunday, the anointing loves the assembly. So if you don't have the assembly, you're going to miss out on pieces of the anointing that breaks the yokes that will take you to sin, that will keep you in bondage. If you don't have the assembly, then you don't have the pillar of truth in the world. In other words, your whole world system is going to go down. The wrong leaders are going to be in the wrong offices because the church and the assembly is the pillar of truth. If you don't have the assembly, you don't have the gates of hell being held back. The gates of hell will not prevail against the assembly, against the church. And so all of these things, our lives lower and we miss out on the fruit of his righteousness and we slide towards more sin as we don't move in this intimacy. Okay, a lack of daily disciplines. The first thing I said was it will go to another trigger of a lack of intimate fellowship with God. Another thing it will do is it will move you towards what we talked about already, a worldly entanglement. 
A trigger is worldly entanglement. This is a sin trigger, and this is a big one. This is a big, big trigger here. Worldly entanglement. Worldly entanglement uh, can be this. Let me give you a few of the ways of worldly entanglement. Secular music. Somebody type these out, please. Triggers of worldly entanglement. Secular music. Worldly TV. Movies. Videos. Video games. Social media. Those are, those are the major ones to give you a few. Now let me show you some of the paths here. In secular music, this was the one for me, one of the big ones for me. Secular music would lead me to start remembering the old fleshly fun that I used to have. When I would start to remember that old fleshly fun, I would start to reconnect with old worldly friends. And I'd talk about that. And when I would reconnect with old worldly friends, it would just be a matter of time before they would invite me to go do something worldly, go to a party, go do those things. And all of a sudden, I'd fall into the trap. And that was how it would work. Or worldly, you know, worldly music. I mean, if you just watch, I remember a time before MTV. You know, MTV actually did a ton of damage uh, to our youth because not only did we already have the catchy music that was worldly and the words that were worldly, that was bad enough. Everything going after the world but not going after God. Understand something. I said this the other day. If you have, if you have a so-called friend that's not leading you to Jesus and leading you to more godliness, that's not a friend. That, biblically speaking, that is not a friend. That, that's not a friend. They've, they place themselves outside of friendship. That's their doing. I want to be the kind of friend that my friends go to God because of me. In other words, I want to be the kind of friend that's always encouraging them to go to the Lord. That's a friend. That's a true friend, a friend that leads to freedom, not to bondage. See, a worldly friend is going to take you into bondage, but a godly friend will take you into the truth, which means he'll take you into freedom. So, um, you know, then when they had um, the music videos, now all of a sudden you put images to the music videos. So now not only do you have the music going in and catchy to your soul, and you have the words that are affecting your mindset, but now you have the videos which are also sin triggers or temptations uh, on worldliness. And so now your, your whole soul, your mind, will, and emotions is being attacked by worldliness. The very thing that God says don't entangle yourself with. Does that mean that I've got to like plug my ears when I go into a department store you know, and, not, you know, and not listen to any secular music? No, that doesn't mean that. But it does mean pri make a prioritization of what you listen to and what you don't. What I could do is turn it off in my car. You know, I could turn off that music in my car and immediately it's out. I can not turn to the music video channel. You know, I can not watch that certain thing. And that turns off those triggers, that turns off that entanglement that God's told me to flee from. 
Okay? And so I don't have to. Does that mean I never see anything worldly? No. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. And remember, Jesus said, you know, you're, you're clean. He told the disciples, you're clean, but you need me to wash your feet. In other words, you're going to walk through some of the worldliness of the world, and it will collect on your feet. So make sure every now and then you take some time to cleanse yourself of the wrong entanglements. Make sure to apply the blood of Jesus and the washing of the water of the Word to cleanse yourself of any mud and gunk that got on you by being in this world. That way you stay clean, you walk clean, and you don't let stuff build up on you. Because if you leave it there, it's going to catch you and, and take you down to that sin. So make sure that you clean it up. Don't get hooked by it. You know, don't get hooked. You may walk into a store and hear a worldly song. Don't, don't meditate on it. Don't try to, what are they saying? I want to know more about that. You don't have to go and examine it. You don't have to meditate on it. Try not to, to even listen to it. Start praying in the Holy Ghost. You know, if I ever find myself in a bad place, I just start praying in the Holy Ghost. That, that's going to empower me. That's going to strengthen me. That's going to help me take my mind off of that worldliness. And, and I'll just walk in the glory of God. Instead of the worldly ways. All right, now here's a big one, and this this is a big one. If we're if we are in the trigger, the sin trigger of worldly entanglement, one of those major triggers, the next step is worldly TV, movies, videos, and video games. Uh, video games is a huge one right now. There's actually a ton. Listen to me, please, especially parents. There is a ton of demonic activity in video games right now. A ton of it. A ton of it. And so in this worldly TV, let me just show you something. In this worldly TV, you have worldly drama. Not godly stuff, worldly drama. And, and the more we watch that, sin becomes acceptable. The next step is sin is okay and drama is okay. And when drama is okay, then you start living by your emotions and not being led by the Spirit. And all of a sudden, that's a sin trigger and leading straight to a trap. One of the major ones is, and I despise them because it's ungodly, soap operas. You know, I despise soap operas. Why? Because it, it's, it, it's a direct trigger. It's, a, it's an obvious trigger. But don't think that soap operas, listen to this, don't think that soap operas just come on in the middle of the day. Many of the shows at night are also soap operas. They are drama-infused stories of worldliness and sin. Drama-infused stories of worldliness and sin. And it doesn't have to be. They're not all designed for ladies, men. Soap operas are not all designed for ladies, but it's the, just this ongoing worldliness. Learn to spot, put this in the comments, I, I need to learn how to spot worldliness. I need to learn how to spot worldliness. I don't have to know it, but I need to learn how to spot it. All right? One of the things that I'll tell you about is watch for this. In um, watch for this in TV shows. I'm, I'm noticing a pattern in movies and TV shows. Nicole and I have talked about it quite a lot. Many TV shows start out very pure in the first season. Many of them. But now watch this. 
many movies when they are when they have uh, multiple movies that follow and sequels you will actually see the first movie or the first season of a TV show is very pure it's a good story it's good writing but here's the thing what do what does Hollywood and what are they entertainers what do they know about people are most people operating and being moved by God are they operating and being moved by the flesh? Moved by the flesh. So what do they do? They appease the flesh. They're going to appeal to the flesh. So they may start out with a good story. And this is the devil's trick. This is the trigger now. This is, you're, we're recognizing triggers. See, if I can't live without watching a movie, or I can't live without watching TV shows, then that TV show and movie is my source. If I can't live without alcohol, alcohol has become my source. If I can't live without uh, drugs, then that drug has become my source. And get, if that's my source, who's not the source? God's the source. So one of the things that they'll do, and I have a couple of things that I would recommend to you to ask this question. Who's the source and who gets the glory? Who's the source and who gets the glory? And if God's not the answer of it, then it's worldly. If, if God's not the answer. So you'll see even a lot of nonprofits, they're doing good things, but they give God no credit and they don't look to God to be the supplier of it. They're, they have nothing to do with God. They're just doing good deeds. That's a worldly thing, even if they're doing good things, you know, even if they're doing good stuff. All right, so now here's what will happen. So uh, a, TV, a TV show uh, will have a good season, but they're going to move towards more sex, more profanity, more immor immorality, more worldliness. It's going to do it. Uh, we were watching a show a couple, a few years ago, uh, years ago. The girls were enjoying it. It was, it was a great show, entertaining, good story, good writing, everything. Season two, there was like a couple of things. Season three, you've got, you've got uh, adultery happening all the time. They moved into witchcraft. They moved into every worldly thing. And, uh, but here's the problem. Now we're hooked because we watch season one. We want to know what happens. It's a trigger and a trap designed. The devil, see, I don't think that all the people know what they're doing. I think some of them do. Some of them are actually evil. But I don't think most of the people, you know, think this way directly. But I think some do. But I know the devil does. He says, let me get this going. Let, it, let me make it entertaining and exciting and get people's curiosity up and give them a cliffhanger at the end of the season. And, and then we'll move it more and more towards worldliness. And before you know it, you have people that are sitting there watching something they should never be watching. They should never be watching. But they're hungry. Remember, halt, hungry to know what happens. Hungry for knowledge hungry in their curiosity, hungry to see the end story of this character that they've fallen in love for because they're lonely and they want drama because they're living by emotions. So the devil uses a combination of all these things, entangles them in a, in a web, and all of a sudden they're watching complete demonic stuff happen before their eyes, and now they've got all these things to deal with. So one of the easier things to do is say, I'm not going to, I know that's worldly already. I'm not even going to watch it. It may be a great story right now. I'm not watching it. I'm not watching it.
Movies can be the same way. I've talked many times about, yeah, Hannah says, guard your heart. And, uh, but he says their conscience is not seared quickly, it's sl slowly seared. That's like, you know, when you're cooking uh, certain animals, the thing to do is raise the temper temperature slowly. If you put them into boiling water, they'll try, try to jump out. I think it's crabs, you know, that, that when, you're, when you're cooking them. But if you raise it slowly, they'll just sit there and they'll just cook to death. That's exactly what the devil uses on Christians and people in the world all the time and slowly sears their conscience where they're not even aware they're getting burned anymore. Right? I talk about a movie series. Started out, really good story, really entertaining. You know, still worldly. It gets into the third one, and there's a scene in there I was embarrassed to watch. It wasn't even it wasn't rated R, but they they alluded to enough stuff where I'm sitting there as a married man with my wife, and I'm like, oh man, I don't want to be seeing this. I don't want to be seeing this. You have to watch those sin triggers and traps as they go down. Here's another one in, in TV, movies, and video and video games. Profanity. All of a sudden, it's cussing, cussing, cussing. Why do you have to have, think about this, why do you have to have the cursing? Is it necessary? No. Is it a part of the world and daily life? For a lot of people, yeah, it is. It is a reality. And, and I understand. I've been around it a lot. I was in the Marines. We, that, that was a second language to us. But why is it necessary? It's not. It's not necessary at all. Gore, excessive violence and bloody. What does that do? All that does is it lowers our level of holiness and moves us away from godliness and holiness down to the profane and down to uh, the common things, the normal of a corrupted earth. Lust, nudity, adultery. All of a sudden you're putting things in your mind that now you're, you're considering all of these things. The more you watch it, the more normal it becomes, the closer you get to the trap of it. And you're causing appetites of the flesh man to rise for it. There's an appetite for it in the flesh man, in that corrupted flesh. And the more we feed it with input, the more we get closer, the closer we get to that trap. Here's a big one. Horror, horror movies. They're designed to invoke fear. The very thing God says, tells us time and time again, don't do. You know, I've watched this. There's a close connection to demonic possession and people that watch horror films. It's, it's linked. Witchcraft, there's a big one that's growing right now. There, witchcraft is basically drawing on a power that's not God. It, it's... It's not drawing on God as a source in that way, and, it, and it's moving on a, a source that's supernatural, but not God. And what it's doing is it's constantly showing you can, watch this thought, witchcraft and all of witchcraft, you can have this power without God. That's the same thing that happened in the garden. You can be like God, but you don't need him, right? You can have this power. That's one of the traps of it. You can have and walk in this power. And the more you see it, it's, it's like a, what's it, an entrance drug. What's that called? 
a gateway drug. Witchcraft is like a gateway into you being the source of your life and you being in control and to be in rebellion. Witchcraft moves straight into a rebellion against God and a rebellion against authority. And I'm talking about major networks are filled with it right now. I mean filled with witchcraft. It's come, I mean, talking about coming out of the closet, it has come completely out of the closet. And uh, so these are some major triggers in them. And the, you know, the Lord is against it, but the devil is using it like crazy. Social media. You know, this is a huge one. Do you know how many people are addicted to social media? If you, if you don't, this, this is an amazing thing. You know, when we started fasting, one of the things we started fasting a lot at the church is while we're not eating food, let's fast social media. You'd be amazed at the number of comments. And I've, I've experienced this thing uh, as well. You would be amazed at the number of comments I received about people that said it was harder to stop social media than it was eating food. Yeah. That's an addiction. And in other words, we get, we get on, this, on this thing, and three hours later, you're still scrolling. We joke about it because we know it's true. It's an addicting thing that becomes a source. Instead of spending time with the Lord, that social media becomes a source. Yeah, Buddy just put up, the average American spends two hours a day on social media. And that's straight scrolling and spending time on social media. Uh, in social media, the triggers in social media, gossip exaggeration, comparison, right? All of these things, and these are all horrible things. They all lead to traps of, of that. I'm going to go through this list, the rest of the list, pretty quickly. Just listen for something that might be a trigger for you. Maybe some of the things I said, it's not a trigger at all. Maybe you don't even watch TV or movies, but you do spend time on social media. Listen for triggers that can lead to this. Idle words, I, words that aren't producing, they just always, you're always joking about, they're not producing, or we're throwing around words, we're speaking. You know, he says, be slow to speak and quick to listen. Idle words, if you are, fall for that trigger, you can fall for bad confessions. We know from the Bible that what we say is what we will have, <laughs> And all of a sudden, if we're in idle words, the next step down the slope is we start making bad confessions. Well, that never works for me. Well, it's never going to because you're speaking it. You are framing your world with your words just like God framed our world with his because you're made in the image and likeness of God. All right? Idle words. Again, profanity. You can get to the place where you, you just use a common profane speech all of, all of the time. Excuse me. Um, we're impatient. Impatience. I gotta have it. I gotta have it now. You talk about society. Society is. I mean, look at society. Society is on top of all of this. This this world that we live in right now, it is all of this. It's all of these sin triggers, all of these sin traps. It is so far from godliness right now, and that's what God said it would be like in the last days. In the last last days, it's exactly going to be like this, and that's why we need to even more flee from youthful lust, flee from immature thinking. And go towards mature godliness. Impatience. Impatience will lead us to have no mercy on anybody. Think about the guy sitting behind uh, the person at a stoplight. Stop, stoplight, you know, turns green. And the guy sits there for a split second 
boom. I mean, it's like people have their hands on the horn, ready, ready to hit the horn as soon as somebody doesn't move faster than they do. No patience, no mercy. <laughs> Hannah says, what a time to be alive. You're exactly right. It actually, it's a great time to be alive because in this moment when the world is so dark, when we go after God, we light up the world better than we ever have before. There's a difference, especially when we move to manifestation. Because think about this, in, in sin triggers, you're moving towards sin traps and a lack of godly manifestations. But the opposite is when I start heading away from sin, I'm heading towards the manifestation and the promise of God and all of his health, his healing, his prosperity. So I've got this sliding scale. I can either land in sin and condemnation and no manifestation, or I can move joy, peace, righteousness, and manifestation of the Holy Ghost. Man, it's such a great time to be alive because of it. But we can't act like those sin triggers don't aren't there. We've got to recognize that they are. Let God light us up with His glory for this. All right? Impatience. You know, no mercy. Immediately they're blowing the horn at the stoplight. They're telling them they're number one, you know. And, uh, they're, and then what happens? You lose your witness. Your faith is, your conscience is seared, so now your faith doesn't work because you're beating yourself up because I shouldn't have blown the horn at them. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have cussed, you know. And now when you go to pray... You won't, you won't be in faith because you know you did that bad thing. Cause, and, and so that's what the devil's after. He wants to steal your fruitfulness. Here's some other triggers. When God's not the source. When things become the source. Houses, cars, stuff. These are triggers. If things are, not, are, are the source, then we're never content. If we're not content, we're not thankful if we're not thankful, we'll, we'll dishonor what God has given. We won't recognize what God has given. We'll be, the Bible teaches in Romans that when we're not thankful, it leads to being deceived. And if we're deceived, we become foolish. If we're not content, then we never have enough. If you never have enough, then you burn yourself out. If you never have enough, you keep spending money and going into debt on the wrong things, on things you don't need. If you never have enough, you're never satisfied. If you're never satisfied, you're always looking outside of your family and friends. Imagine, imagine a person that is not content because God's not their source. All of a sudden, they think that getting married will make them happy. That doesn't do it. Okay, having kids will make me happy. That doesn't do it. All of a sudden, well, things will make me happy. That doesn't do it because their happiness is found in God, not in things. And then all of a sudden, now they're not happy. So they think, well, maybe, you know, this, this young person of the opposite sex, if I'll go be with them, that'll make me happy. And all of a sudden they found themselves in the sin trap because God hasn't been the source of their life. They're always looking outside of family and friends. And here's the other thing. They're always ill because they're never content. And if they're always ill, they're always speaking harshly. Now they don't have the very friends that they thought were going to make them happy. Another way, if God's not the source, a trigger is that I make myself the source. We make ourselves the source. If we're always the source, we have a hard time saying no because I'm the source. If I don't say no, I'll get busy. Not, not necessarily productive, but busy. 
If I'm always busy now, and this is a huge one, if I'm always, if I'm always busy, then I feel like I deserve, I deserve, I deserve a break. I deserve something nice. Watch this. I deserve a little bit of sin because I've been so good because I was the source. Can you see these traps? Can you see these triggers? I'm so busy, now I'm tired. Remembering the, what we said earlier, halt. One of the major ones was being tired. Being tired is one of the worst things you can ever be when you're making decisions. It's a trap. If I'm tired, I'm also, if I'm so busy, all of a sudden the devil just, he loves to heap stuff on us. All of a sudden I'm overwhelmed. I get overwhelmed. I get discouraged. I get discouraged. I go into depression. And it's this slippery slope of these triggers. So recognizing these triggers and running from them will set us on the right path. If I'm the source, if that's the trigger, that leads to pride. If I feel like I'm the source and I haven't identified that, then I'm going to be prideful about what I do right. If I have pride, I'll get in a rival mentality. And I think I've arrived. That means if I arrive, then I don't have to grow anymore because I'm there. I'm there. If I, if, I'm, if I have arrived, then I relax my standards. If I relax my standards, then I'll accept lower standards. And now I'm in the trap. If, if God's not the source and... Things are the source. I'm the source. People can be the source. Watch this. If people are my source, then people decide my status. In other words, what you do makes me happy or what you do makes me sad. And now that tr I'm triggered by how people react. I'm not in control of my life. People are because I made people the source. Here's the thing. I'll always be up or down because people decide my status. And then, because I'm always up or down, people get tired of being around me. And when people get tired of being around me, I'll have a lack of friends. And when I have a lack of friends, now I'll be discouraged because people were my source. And it's this big cycle right down into the trap of sin. If people are my source, then I'll always fall for worldly peer pressure. There's, these are all the triggers that I hope have you know, been helpful for you to see. And I'm sure there's tons more, but these were some of the major ones. Let me give you this quick list, seven ways to ditch these triggers. Seven ways to ditch the triggers, the sin triggers. Number one, one of the biggest keys is recognize the trigger. When the Lord showed me that music was a trigger for me, it immediately helped me avoid all the traps because when I cut out that music, it knocked out so much of those sin traps just in one small blow. And one small thing that I did was a big blow to sin in my life. I, I didn't fall for them anymore like that. It was amazing. It was such an easy, simple thing because I recognized the trigger. Ways to ditch the triggers, recognize them. First thing is, how are you going to get rid of something that you can't see is there? Second thing, intimate fellowship with God. Everything that we have stems from an intimate fellowship with God. Third thing is, receive your new identity. That old man, that old you, that's not who you are. 
That's not where your inheritance is. You have a new identity in Christ. That's who you are. That's what you, that's what you become. A new creation in Christ with a new inheritance, and you have a new way to walk and a new power in your life. Receive your new identity. Fourth thing to ditch the triggers. Set your mind. All right, now watch this. Along the path of these triggers to the sin trap is emotions and pressure. And when we're under those emotions and pressure, it makes it harder to make the right decision. So when you are at the place where you're not in the trap or the trigger, set your mind. If I ever face one of these triggers or these traps, this is my decision and I'm making it now and I will not make it when the pressure comes on. I don't care how I feel or what it looks like. I will, this is the right decision, and that's what I'm going to do. And so when you get to that trigger, your mind should say, nope. Hey, it should alarm you and say, here's what the right decision is. That feels like it's right right now because it's feelings and emotions and pressure. But I've already made this decision. I don't have to make it again. I'm going to do the right thing. So set your mind. Fifth thing to ditch the triggers. Apply the disciplines of God, the daily disciplines of God. Apply daily disciplines of God. Spend time with Him. Read the Bible. Pray. Worship. Go to church. Don't forsake the assembly. Six, ditch the old man's ways, the old thoughts, the old friends, the old places. Ditch them. If there was a fleshly, worldly entanglement, ditch that. They're not a friend if they're not leading you to the Lord. It's not a place you need to visit. Ditch them. Leave them in the past. Don't set your hand to the plow and look back. Ditch all of those old worldly entanglements. Don't hold on to them. Get rid of them now. You can do it. God will help you. He will empower you. And I'm telling you, if he's asking you to ditch that, there's only increase in front of you because of his love for you. He's asking you to do it because he loves you, not because he's trying to keep something from you. It's always better whatever he's leading you to. And the seventh thing is, when you see the temptation, flee from it. Run from it like it's the plague. Run from it like it's the plague. Flee that temptation. Glory to God. I love you so very much, and I hope that this has helped you. Has this helped anybody? Has anybody said, oh, man, I needed to hear that? And uh, did you recognize some of the triggers of your own? Right now, if you know some other triggers, put them in the comments right now. That will help other people, whether you're watching it live or in the archive. If you know a trigger, a sin trigger or a sin trap that you've seen on other people or you've experienced it, put it in the comments. Because if we learn to recognize those triggers, we can avoid them. Amen. So glory to God. Now listen, every day uh, we, will, we will have a time for sowing and giving. We sow this broadcast into you. You don't have to give anything. But if you would like to, you always are welcome to help us spread the gospel. First thing is like the video, share it, subscribe, hit the bell notification so you get notifications when we go live. Uh, that's, a, that's something that's an ongoing help to us. That literally is a seed to us. You can sow by liking, sharing, and subscribing and getting notifications when we go live. That's live. That's, that's literally a seed that helps spread the gospel. The other thing is you can sow a, a 
seed financially as well. You can pray for us. If you want to sow financially on Facebook, you can type in the comments, hashtag donate followed by the amount, or you can go to giveww.org, or you can uh, cash app is hashtag giveww for give what's right. And then we also have where you can text to give. It's there on the screen. You can give Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies. You can also give by PayPal and uh, go to uh, the address that's there on the screen. We love you so very much. We want to pray for everybody who's sowing into this. Listen, it's right for us to sow into the places that we're fed. You know, every day you go and eat lunch or you buy something from the store. You don't just go into the store and take it. And yet you're receiving food that will help you not just once, but it will help you for eternity. And when something is a blessing, you realize God just helped me to avoid sin and avoid lack in my life. He helped me to increase today by his word. That's a time where you should feel a need and a desire. Lord, I want to give into the people that are uh, feeding me spiritually. As a matter of fact, in, in Romans, Paul says this, we should see it as an obligation that the people that feed us spiritually, we should feel an obligation to bless them materially and so into the kingdom of God spreading. And so if that's you today, you're welcome to it. You don't have to, but it is open for everybody as the Lord leads you and moves on your heart and shows you that. And so what we want to do is pray for you. So right now, Father, everybody who is sowing, Lord, when they sow seed into the gospel, they not only partner with you, but they partner with us to get your word out, to help people, to spread your good news of Jesus Christ all around the world. Lord, they're partnering, and they have a right. In Philippians, it teaches us they have a right to, to believe that they receive a harvest and that they are a partner with the grace, with the supernatural supply that's on this ministry. When they sow seed in whatever form or fashion, they have a right to believe for a harvest and believe for a part of that supernatural grace to come into their lives. A supernatural empowerment to ditch sin, a supernatural empowerment of, of favor on their life, a supernatural empowerment to walk in your power and manifestation of your promises. Father, I ask that you pour it out on every partner today. Lord, pour it out on every sower. Let it be multiplied, pressed down, shaken together, running over in their lives. Father, we just thank you. Lord, let it be a reality. This is a year of increase, not just for us, but because they have partnered with us in their sowing. It is a year of increase for them. Father, thank you. Let that increase be. Lord, let there be testimony after testimony after testimony after testimony. Lord, let them be multiplied. Father, we praise you for it, and we worship you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. If you didn't see yesterday's broadcast about how the tools to avoid sin, you need to see that. Today we talked about the triggers. Yesterday we talked about the tools to avoid sin, how the Lord has given us that. Go back and watch that. We'll put the link here uh, in, this, in this video. But go back and watch that if you haven't seen it before. And uh, we love you so very much. I'll see you again tomorrow. It's going to be awesome. Uh, next week. We're, next Monday, we're going to start a series called Stinking Thinking. 
stinking thinking and how to get out of some of the things and actually some of the traps of thinking that we didn't even realize we were in. And uh, we talked a little bit about one the other day. And man, it, it changed people's whole mindsets towards life when we just talked about it a little bit. We're going to go through a number of these things of stinking thinking. We'll start that next week. Look for it. But right now, uh, go ahead and share the video, like and subscribe. We love you so much. I pray that this has helped you today and uh, have a great day. We'll see you next time. Hey guys, if that word ministered to you, put some hands up in the comments because I'm telling you, this is a powerful word. And I want to encourage you as well. I know Pastor was encouraging you, um, but this, this word is something the world needs. Um, you know, a lot of people wonder, man, why does the world keep getting darker and darker? It's because people do not know these sin triggers. They don't know these sin traps. And so if, and so what we need to do is we need to get this message out to the world. So we want to encourage you, spread the word. We say it all the time, but spread the word. Share this to your Facebook. Share, uh, share the link to your Facebook. Get this word out. Share this with someone that you know has been struggling with habitual sins, and they're wondering, how in the world can I get out of this? Share this message with someone and I want to I'm telling you this is how lives change faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God God said my people go into captivity because they don't know <laughs> because of a lack of knowledge so share this with someone that you know needs to hear this word but guys we want to thank you we have another powerful broadcast for you tomorrow at 11:30, and and guys again Make sure you're here next week as Pastor goes into his series, Stinkin' Thinkin'. It's going to be awesome. But until then, we will see you tomorrow at 11.30 for Lunch Plus. Bye, guys.